0: This is Talk of the Town on News Talk 1290, CJBK, where interesting people talk and London listens.
1: It is that time of the week for Left, Right and Center. Joining us today in this corner, wearing the red trunks and looking rather stylish, may I say, Bob Matz. Good morning, and Jim, and in the opposing corner, wearing the <laughs> not uh, wearing a
0: single thing that's red here. I'm not wearing right a, a single thing. Wait a minute.
1: No, that's Garrison's <laughs> show. Radio. That's Garrison's show. He's the guy that works naked. And Jeff Schlemmer with us, of course, uh, as well. And today, I have a question, the like of which I don't believe I've ever posed on this program before with our two guests because I'm not sure that it has much to do with political philosophy uh, or differing views of politics, although I may be (coughs) proven wrong, and that's why I want to talk to them about it. Two stories happening right now in our country here, in this fair land. One has to do with a gentleman who has been a guest on this program, uh, Dr. Keith Martin, who is a a prominent conservative member of parliament um, from British Columbia, and he has announced that He is intending to run as a liberal in the next election. Uh, Andre Bachon is a Tory in Quebec who's heartbroken about the alliance between the Alliance and the Progressives Conservatives. He too is going to sit as an independent, but he will not run in the next election. Now, neither of them have provided us with the flair and drama of Winston Churchill, for example, who, as they say, crossed the floor uh, at least twice in his career, and literally did that, got up and walked across the floor of the House of Commons to sit with the other party, because he was disenchanted with the leadership and the progress of the parties he was with. It uh, hurt him temporarily in each case, but ultimately didn't seem to have affected his career in much of a negative way but it it raises a very interesting question here, and I think I think Martin has sort of ducked the bullet by sitting as an independent and then saying i 'll run the next time as a liberal you You sign on with a party, you run under that party's banner, you are elected by people, some of whom We assume if the experts are correct, voted not for you, but voted for your party. In fact, they tell us that it's the leader of the party and the candidate. This is what the political scientists tell us. Those are the three criteria in descending order of importance for the average voter. The voter votes first for the leader, second for the party, and third for the candidate. So you run under the party's banner, and then you say to your constituents, hmm, I don't think I want to do this anymore. I think I like those fellers over there. That's what I want to ask my two guests about today. What do you think of this issue of crossing the floor? And I know Martin's kind of muddied the waters because he's going to sit as an independent till the next election, but it amounts to the same thing. And, uh, Jeff, I would start with you today. What do you think are the the the, uh, the political or the ethical ramifications of running under one party's banner and then abandoning it midstream?
2: Well, the obvious uh, concern about it is that somebody's voted for you saying that uh, or believing that you're going to represent a, a certain set of values as uh, represented by the party. So I think that uh, this idea of saying that you're going to sit as an independent and then try to get reelected under the different party is probably the most honorable way to do it. You know, if you get elected as, a, as a, a Tory and then switch to being a liberal the next week or something, I could see where people would be felt somewhat betrayed about that. I, I think, though, that the, the, the context is probably the most important thing. And, and you mentioned uh, Churchill and how he crossed the floor a couple of times. And that system in that day was really quite different than what we have today in the sense that, uh, that uh, you know, in those days, ministers resigned all over the place uh, when when things went badly in their ministry
1: yeah, they actually uh, had principles in government
2: in Yeah, ways. that uh, like it really was just a different different environment. And in those days, uh, it seemed like uh, you didn't have a cabinet with the same extent of power. It wasn't like an executive office the way it is today, more like a president. In those days, uh, parliament really did seem to run the show and uh, debates mattered. You know, there were these great debates that uh, that would influence uh, the course of politics, whereas today debates in the House really, you know, are just for show. Uh, everything is run by the Prime Minister and uh, and the cabinet. So in the context context of the time, for him to cross the floor, it wasn't as big a deal, I think, as it would be today. Uh, although I think, and certainly in reading I've done, there were some people who certainly never did forgive him mm-hmm. for that, and he mm-hmm. was always considered a little suspect mm-hmm. by a lot of people because he had crossed, and it was considered that once you uh, make your choice of a party, uh, you know, it's like religion, you, you, you're, you're there for life, and certainly in my case, uh, uh, I've seen uh, liberals do lots of things that I don't like, and uh, I've decided I've got to be a liberal for life uh, and hang in there, and uh, you know, and fight for better days. But um, I think about, uh, for instance, who's the fellow who, um, uh, Tom Berger, who was the um, leader of the NDP in uh, in uh, BC in the early 60s. And I think he had started out as a liberal and switched over to the NDP. It, it certainly does happen. And particularly when, when the parties change. And I think that the argument being made by the PCs who don't want to join the conservative, new conservative party, is that the party has left them behind. And in the last 10 to 15 years i think there's been a shift to the right generally between the the liberals and the and the uh certainly the pc uh people who left the pcs to form the reform party and i think that that a lot of the things that uh red pcs stood for are now represented pretty well in the Liberal Party, mm-hmm. frankly. So it's easier for them to say, you know, I'm fiscally conservative, but uh, socially uh, progressive. Uh, th- that's where the Liberals are at, uh, more so than where they perceive the new Conservative Party. So this at. is
1: perhaps, in the broadest sense, not all that big a deal, that he's simply moving to where... His sensibilities are, and assumes because he's going to run again, and figures he's going to get elected. The sensibilities of the majority of the voters are in his writing.
2: Well, and I and I guess there's two issues. One is that uh, question of representing the sensibilities of your of your electorate, and certainly you you want to do that. But then there's also the sense of being true to your own principles, and if. If he perceives that his principles really haven't changed, but those of the party have in a substantial way, then what are his options?
1: Baba direct the same question to you. Are we see someone uh, 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 you know making this kind of change? Should we look askance at that at all?
0: um not really, and it's certainly this is not a time at which to be surprised by it, considering the major shuffle that's going on not not amongst uh, candidates and politicians themselves, but amongst political party realignments. Mm -hmm. So to me, the issue is not so much to do with who's abandoning whom, or that is the issue, who's abandoning whom? Like who's moving? Is the party moving over or is the the candidate moving over? The candidate may be standing still Mm -hmm. in terms of what he represented to his constituents, what he believes in, but because his party moved, he's under an obligation to move then, I would think.
1: Would we be better Uh, off if more of them did? Perhaps. I, I
0: was just going to say that from the voter's point of view, when you see someone crossing the floor in a situation, in any situation, I think that's a wake-up call. Take a look. Take a second look at the party they're leaving. Take a second look at the party they're going to. Mm-hmm. And take a second look at the candidate, because that'll tell you tomes of information. Um but beyond that, I don't consider it necessarily good or bad. I, th- I think Jeff pretty well covered most of the points there, except for his lifelong allegiance to the liberals there. Um, <laughs> well, it's was- <laughs> he- <since laughs> a work in progress. Yeah. I know, since
1: you came <laughs> over from the communists and joined the liberals. <laughs> well, I'll yeah, tell no, you
0: I'm right sorry. now... Uh- I could tell you, know, even though I'm a founding member of the Freedom Party, if it went off on some direction that I didn't agree with, I'd be crossing the floor if there was a better party right there and then.
2: I'm, I'm sorry, that's not where my allegiance well, is. It's interesting how parties can change. And uh, you know, I, I don't know. Before I got involved in this, I had the sense that parties were fixed items. It uh, was like eatons; they'll always be with us. You know, there's no question about it. But but change is just so profound and constant uh, that I remember. Uh, well, I don't remember, but I've read that uh, you know, a uh, hundred years ago. There was a strong liberal party in the in the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. It's just gone, vanished. Mm-hmm. You know uh, that uh, things change all the time. Institutions change, and you know I suppose one could argue that if somebody feels that they can't move with the organization because the organization's changing in ways that that they, their scruples don't permit, that it's the honorable thing to do to say, "I just can't follow along." Now tactically. I suppose one could argue the, f- the contrary, which is that if the red Tories all bail out of the new Conservative Party, then they take away any chance for it to become a moderate uh, right party of the right. Uh, so in some respects, uh, if you don't like the new Conservative Party because you think it's going to be too right-wing, well, maybe you need to stick around and try and influence it at policy conventions to the left.
1: Let's remind our listeners that you're more than welcome to join us in this discussion. Six four three twelve ninety is the telephone number if you're a Rogers a cellular customer, it's a Star 1290. That's a free call, too, even if we have to put you on hold for a moment or two. You won't pay a penny for that. We'll pick up the charge. So six four three twelve ninety 1290 Star 1290, in the Rogers AT&T Cellular Network. If you'd like to join our discussion today with Bob Metz, And Jeff Schlemmer. Well I wanna Jeff, I wanna ask you the same thing I asked Bob a minute ago. Do you think we would be better off if we had more people on matters of principle crossing the floor? Do you think it might open our political system up a little bit? I mean I think of situations where liberals were put up against the wall and the Prime Minister ordered them to do such and so and they couldn't do it, and many of them stayed or some of them stayed home, for example, abstained from the vote, didn't show up in the House and so on. Would it not perhaps been a little more morally honest had they simply said I, I'm, I'm not going to put up with this, I'm not going to take direction that I do not believe in from this gentleman who I do, do not support uh, I'm going elsewhere
2: uh, In some respects I think it would certainly be more more um uh, more interesting and probably more tolerable for us as voters if we thought that MPs, you know, had a set of principles that they're going to stick to no matter what. From the standpoint of the parties, I could see that they would consider it much uh, much more difficult to keep all their ducks in a row if uh, if people are free to bolt off in whatever direction they want Uh at different times, and, and it's sort of like herding cats, you know, that if you're trying to keep all your MPs voting the way you want them to vote uh, and they, they feel free to cross the floor and that kind of stuff, that it could be harder. At the end of the day, I don't know whether we have a better government uh, where we where we ram them along in a party discipline and say, you've got to be doing it this way, and if you don't, you're a disloyal traitor. Uh, whether that gets us going in a direction that it would be hard to achieve otherwise, if, if we were heading off in all directions, would we stay static? It would be hard to ram through uh, uh, controversial initiatives. Um, it's hard to say is, uh, ultimately which would be pragmatically more useful, but I think it would certainly be it would be perceived better by the electorate if they thought, again, that MPs were not doing things that they didn't want to do, that they were being forced to hold their nose on issues. If it was that they could simply vote the way they thought they ought to vote, then electing a particular person voting for the man or woman would take on a new significance.
1: We're going to pause for a second. When we return, we're going to change our focus a little bit to Canada's Prime Minister and his trip south of the border. Some interesting developments there, and I'm curious to see what our guests think about them. This is News Talk 1290. It's Left, Right, and Center with Schlemmer and Metz. Bob Mets, Jeff Schlemmer with us today on Left, Right, and Center. Guys, I want to change the focus a bit now and, and look at our Prime Minister, Paul Martin, who's gone south of two borders. To uh, Some people heard uh, one of the commentators just say suck up to the American Prime Minister. Uh, apparently, he was pretty good at sucking up to him. Mr. Bush has indicated now that in round two of the rebuilding of Iraq, Canadian companies will be eligible to compete. And in fact, I guess a couple of Canadian companies have uh, already got their foot in the door, Nortel being one of them. Um, I had a call from a fellow yesterday uh, who was, wasn't was angry about it, he was just kind of pensive about this whole thing. I said, You know, I'm, I'm kind of, he supported Mr. Kretchen in keeping Canada out of the war. And he said, I'm very disappointed that our new prime minister has gone to the United States. Now, after we took this, what he referred to as a moral position, and uh, and and paid a price for it in terms of the first round of, of Iraqi contracts. We didn't get any. It was very, and it was made fairly clear by the Americans that the primary reason for that was that we weren't there when they needed or when we need when they needed us or we weren't there when they needed us. Um, but anyway, this gentleman that called me said that he just he was disappointed. He was disappointed that Mr. Martin would even raise this issue. That it would be an issue at all. That Canada should simply have. You know, stuck by our guns and lived with the results, and pressed on on other issues with the American softwood lumber and that sort of thing. But that we should never have tried to revisit this one at all. That we'd made our we'd made our as he said we made our bed and we should stay in it.
0: Well, I don't see a contradiction at all. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with being part of the the group that builds up Iraq? The war that part of the war is over. We're not getting involved in that. That's mm-hmm. not a question here. So that's behind us. Why is he still worried about that? Like we're never supposed to go over there ever? for any reason. Well, his concern uh,
1: wasn't so much that we weren't supposed to go, but that the only way we could go was by Paul Martin sucking up to George Bush, and he didn't think that was appropriate or dignified for Canadian Prime Minister to do that.
0: I don't like that word, sucking up. No, What's really going on at these meetings is negotiations. George Bush isn't going to give Paul Martin anything unless it's to his advantage, and Paul Martin's going to do the same with George Bush. It's going to be a mutual advantage kind of thing. Um, if If sucking up just means... You know, being t- talking to the guy, being polite, being civil. Um, I think we got a lot, of, lot to learn. We should be doing that kind of sucking up
1: all the time. Well, Khrushchev I mean, was polite and civil too. Uh,
0: well, yes, there was, a, there was a big difference with Khrushchev saying we're not going into the war. And then with the moral condemnation that came after it from some of his ministers and spokesmen for the Liberal Party, who never really, as far as I'm concerned, apologized properly. You don't go uh, shooting the messenger. You don't start calling the president an idiot. You don't start calling his aides morons and all these just absolutely unprofessional, undignified, unstatesmanlike things. You know that just that was a total embarrassment to me, and I hope to all Canadians.
1: Jeff, what about you? You see it any differently?
2: Well, I guess. Uh the first thing is that uh, that Paul Martin has never made any secret that uh, his plan was to try to improve relations with the United States. I was going to say he was elected on, a, on that platform, but I guess that wouldn't be quite accurate just yet. <laughs> but uh, to the extent that uh, that uh, we have a prime minister who, that we, who we've chosen, uh, that's a route that he's made very clear that he wants to go in. And uh, so I think it's consistent that he would say, look, how can we cozy up? And I think that George, on the other hand, is looking for a way to kiss and make up. So this is a nice way to do it. How it affects my life, I don't expect it will much at all. Although I agree with with Bob that uh, the war is over and now we're into reconstruction. So uh, there was somebody who had proposed uh, a columnist within the last month or so that uh, if we were looking for a symbolic way to participate in reconstruction, maybe we should be sending uh, sending uh, mounties over the way we did in Haiti, making it clear that look, maybe we're not keen that uh, that the war occurred but you know it's over now, we need to reconstruct, uh, you know, the whole world should be participating in that, and it's time to get past the sort of petulance about it and who's mad at who. There's a country that needs to be rebuilt, and uh, Canada has certain expertise in, in, in ways that can help, so they should be involved. Uh, and that's something that I think would be a good idea. As far as these these contracts, I don't think it amounts to a hill of beans uh, in, in the world that we live in, but it's symbolic uh, of a... Of Theoretically, supposedly, some nicer relations. Now, uh, the the uh, proof will come when we get down to things like softwood lumber and mad cow, and the real substantial issues that that are, exist between Canada and the United States, and always exist. You know, uh, as long as there's been a United States, Canada and the United States have been, you know, have had conflicts on things. Uh, you know, it's like uh, married couples. There are always some things you can't agree on. <laughs> Who's going to take out the garbage? But in the scheme of things, they're quite minor. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, frankly, I think that as much as I, I like the fact that we stood up to them, I think there's an ebb and flow to, to, to life and that now is maybe a time to do a bit of kissing and making up and saying, let's move on.
1: Uh, let me ask you then, uh, change the focus a little wee bit to uh, a, a topic that's near and dear to my heart. There is a website out there called, I think it's called pa- paulmartintime.ca. And it is a satirical website, but it also it, it 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 satirizes some of the foibles of Mr. Martin. One of the lead articles yesterday, when I looked uh, looked at the website, had to do with Canada steamship lines and the fancy dancing he's done over the years about why many of the sh- of the ships are flagged with other countries. It, it allows him to save all kinds of money; they don't have to meet Canadian work standards or pay Canadian wages or all this sort of thing. And he's been very inventive in his various explanations as to why he's done that over the years. Apparently this website has been threatened with a lawsuit from Mr. Martin because he doesn't think people should be satirizing the Prime Minister of Canada. I just, Bob, I would start with you. Does that concern you at all that the government may be trying to put some libel chill on that kind of commentary? Well,
0: unfortunately, all I know about it is what you've just said to us just now so i don't know the particulars of the details i think you're able to satirize just about anybody without any fear of a lawsuit but when you start misstating facts or misstating um you know basically the the truth factual truth objective truth then there might be some some grounds for a lawsuit but i don't know what the circumstances are here if it's in if it's in one camp i'd be in favor of it if it's in the other i wouldn't be well, to
2: me, though, you don't, libel chill is, is a real problem uh, in the world today and getting worse, you know, that libel lawsuits are so expensive that uh, regardless of whether or not the person's got a leg to stand on and saying that they've been libeled, they can deep pockets you, you know, to death. And uh, to me one of the things that, that Mr. Martin needs to know and I think he I'm sure he does know is that when you're in the big chair you got to take some hits you know you got to thicken up that skin and have the rhino hide and let people say what they want to say uh, particularly on websites and things like that like there's going to be a huge amount of diversity of opinion about him uh, and, well opinion's
0: one thing like I said if what, what, what if it's a misstatement of fact would well, you still would you still support the right of that misstatement of fact to go well, on without any without any recourse is, even if it was about you it's
2: so subjective you know at the end of the day one person's fact is another person's opinion uh, yeah, oh, I don't they, think so. If there's so. a website that says that Paul Martin's a mass murderer, then yeah, that somebody ought to do something about that because it's hateful. But if somebody says, that... "No," well, see, was- I
0: would disagree. Right mm-hmm.
2: there, that's a good, good example. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd it's say if, it's if a you fact that's well,
0: you know, it's like say, say somebody said he's a child molester, okay, and and the guy's definition of child molester is that he spanked his kid once or something like that, right? But if he says. That Paul Martin molested X child on X such and such a date. That's an objective fact. That's something that I think is suable. The other one's still an opinion. Somebody says you're a mass
2: murderer. That's a
0: a fact. Well, I've actually seen people call. Uh, liberals that for allowing abortion in the country i've seen i mean yeah. people use those very words and if you actually that's still an opinion until you because what's, what's the, the question slope. that is what i mean i don't think so i think the line's clear what's the most the most powerful question begged when you say something about somebody that's that extreme like if you say somebody's a killer first question on my mind is who did he kill and when and if you can't answer that question, well then
1: <laughs> there's no fact no to well, it. are you like? Should you be sued then if well, you can't answer that question?
0: Not really. Well, th- there is already I mean, what a tremendous some, social consequence. But what if to somebody that, were you know, to say, put a, set
1: up a website, and say that all members of the Freedom Party are child molesters? You don't tell me that you'd, you'd accept that. You wouldn't think that was a. You wouldn't roll with that punch.
0: Well, there's a lot of it depends on what they say. I'll tell you right now, there's there are sites up there that are alleging that we're racist. Mm-hmm. I'm not going after them because it's when you read the stuff, they're they're picking on policies that we do have that mm-hmm. they believe constitute racism. <laughs> Ironically, because we don't believe in laws based on race, and they do because they think you have to help the other races out, right? Mm-hmm. So that's their definition of racism. Mm-hmm. So, but now if they said that I specifically did x against a person of a specific race that to me is a suitable thing and i think when you get into politics that's one of the reasons too that in the house they allow um the members of the house to get away with so much you know all the screaming and hollering and swearing and and accusations and they're rather uh exempt from those privilege yeah, the, yeah what the you call it house privilege step right outside and say that right <laughs> And, uh, I, I, you know, maybe I'm stretching the line a little further than most people would, but I think there is a line there, and I, and I think you know, maybe I'm using a few extreme examples, but, but I do think there's a difference between opinion and a statement of fact.
2: I guess the other tactical question is whether it's wise for him to go after, uh, 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 you know, are you using a hammer to swat a fly? Um, because I think that the NDP right now are trying to create an image or, or foster an image of Paul Martin as being a fat cat, rich elite guy who flies around in corporate jets and if they can add to that and he can't take a joke uh, it just doesn't help well, his image i think it's better for him to appear presidential or whatever well, one you call of the it. things he's complaining <laughs>
1: about is is the supposedly the theft of intellectual property because the masthead of the satirical one is similar to the masthead well, of, of, of his
0: yeah. but, uh, but again, you know, to the me French if he was really suing time. if he's really suing for libel or slander Remember, this works the other way. The first question I ask myself is, "Oh, what are
2: they saying that's true?"
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's the well, first thing you start thinking about. Do you, do you People give are more
2: prominence to it by by raising it as an issue. Like if, yeah. if he hadn't done this, would anybody have ever heard of this that's website? Probably you know, the, the case. But uh, you look at, uh, at Frank Magazine, for instance. You know mm-hmm. they've been a, fl- a thorn in the side. I, I would, I would hate to think of uh, a politician going after them because it, it, the politician always ends up looking peevish to me. It's like, look, at it's political satire. You're in the public eye. Uh, you know people are going to say things about you, and some of it's going to be done in the form of humor. Uh, to me, get a life, you know, and realize that it, say when you're in the big chair, you're going to take some take some hits. It's part of the Should, game. Should would the Canadian
1: people be speaking out and telling him that? My great fear is, and people think I'm silly about this, but there is so much precedent for it in history that it's absolutely frightening. My big fear is the day comes when they knock on my door or any other commentator oh, and right. say, you better stop saying that or else. That's a right. a very kind of legitimate
0: fear, and that's why I like to stretch the line as far as I can, where you, know, where you really
2: know.
1: But um, it's amazing uh, to me how many people think that's just silly. Just, oh, that would never happen in Canada. Well, I'll
2: tell you right now where it's happening. It's happening at City Hall where, uh, I don't know how many articles I've read in the uh, free press about city managers. And there's only like four of them. And yet nobody's, they're, they're all too afraid to name names. We've never heard so-and-so is accused of doing such and such. Right now, people are afraid to publish that People know names, people have stories, but they're afraid to publish them because they're afraid they're going to get sued for libel. You know, So it's not far-fetched at all. You know, I, my, my frustration with that, not to change topics too much, is that once more we just have no idea what's going on. We get, we get a tiny fraction of a story, but uh, the yeah, media the, are they, you know, well, print
1: it. Well, uh, for a good the, reason. The salvation of that is that they don't know what's going on either.
0: Well, <laughs> she, we're not alone in the it. The thing that concerns me, and I've heard trends in in the legal circles, I, Jeff, maybe you know more, more more about this, but I've heard that there are arguments being made where truth is no longer going to be a defense against libel. And that mm. concerns me greatly. When we're there, then the day that you're worried about, Jim, has arrived. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was hearing talk about that. Is that is that going on anywhere in the province? I don't know I, about it
2: specifically, although certainly there are... Uh, there there. Are, that the main threat, I think, of libel suits right now is they're just so expensive. You know, we call it the sport of kings. You know, you can afford to sue for libel if you're a right <laughs> yeah, like wing. You can't afford to sue for libel if you're you or me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and most uh, media organizations just don't feel like being uh, being hit for libel on a case that's that's not rock-solid. You've got the Globe and Mail being sued by Mike Harris right now over Ripperwash, for instance. Now, in their case, I think it'll help them sue papers at the end of the day. But uh, again, a decision's been made by the media outlets in London that they just don't want a lawsuit by an individual of these city managers. So we always hear about, quote, city managers. We never hear who did what. The, you know, the
1: sad the sad thing is, people don't understand why they're not getting that information either. Because the, I don't think many people believe that that libel chill actually exists. Ha- I've spoken about it on the radio. It certainly happens it sure here does on the radio.
2: Exist. Sure does exist. Yeah. yeah. And so that's to me why why you've got to be very careful about a satiric website, uh, you know, that is clearly poking fun at a guy over things that that the authors are very unhappy about, no doubt. But at the end of the day, you've got a logo that's a takeoff of a logo. It's it's just like a political cartoon, really, where a political cartoon exaggerates the features of the person's mm-hmm. face. Uh, again, that they're political cartoon exaggerates or makes fun of his logo to me it's just like get a life
1: gentlemen thank you both appreciate you enriching our lives today uh bob metz jeff Schlemmer, with us on left right and center and we'll see them again next week